0: Good morning, church. If you would please remain standing. We're going to read God's word together today, and we're going to read from the book of John in the 15th chapter. And if you happen to not have a Bible with you, we have ushers in the aisles. They'll be happy to hand you one. Just raise your hand. And if you don't have a Bible at home, please take it with you. That's our gift to you today. That's John, the 15th chapter, starting with the ninth verse. so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, for Jesus, for his sacrifice and for love. Please bless Pastor Mike as he comes to speak to us now. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. You can have a seat. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Mike Lee, and I get to be the pastor here at Mission Valley Church. If you're new here today, if you're new here today, you came, somebody invited you. Maybe you got an invite card. uh, Maybe you saw it online. Maybe somebody reached out and sent you a text. We're so glad that you're here. If I've never met you, I'd love to do that. And so there's a couple of ways that we can do that. Uh, The first is this I'm going to be playing out in the snow. That's right, in the snow. I'll be out there uh, right after church. And so I'd love to shake your hands out there if you're into that. Another way that we can meet, send me a text. 602-763-3331. I'd love to just chat with you this week if you're into that. And then the third way is you can just fill out one of the connect cards that we have. Uh, Just give us your name and some basic information and I'll reach out to you that way. Uh, I also want to just give a quick little shout out and say good morning to those of you that are watching us online, uh, either through the live feed or maybe you're watching through the app uh, later in the week. I especially want to say good morning to my good friends in Stillwater, Minnesota. You know who you are. I love I have friends in Minnesota. It's so cold there. It's like five degrees there. Isn't it great to be in Phoenix, Arizona, where we have to buy snow? It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I love that we're spending the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas looking at the Christmas story. We're just looking at this story, and you might say, well, it seems like we're looking at it over and over and over again, and we are. I don't think we would ever get uh, tired of it. As a matter of fact, next Sunday when we gather, it, it will, it'll be Christmas, and we'll look at the whole story again as we celebrate Jesus's birth. And honestly, we never get tired of this story because it's really good. I mean, it's a really good story. The The story of Jesus's birth is so fantastic. It seems to have all the great elements of a really, really good story. Um, and like any other good story, it sort of fits into genres. There's genres for different stories, sort of like how there's genres of movies. There's genres of stories. So you might know that uh, movies have genres like Westerns there's a lot of Westerns out there some people really like Westerns Westerns like Tombstone just uh, really great Western movies some people like real Bravo kind of classic people John Wayne type movies uh, some people like my favorite Western movie the outlaw Josie Wales I think the outlaw Josie Wales is the perfect Western it's got all the different elements that a Western should have uh, it's very fantastic I would argue anybody uh, that, that, that disagrees with me that's your problem uh, also uh, there's science fiction and fantasy that's a genre right so some people are familiar with with that. Some people really like Star Trek. I don't really understand Star Trek. Uh, I have a nerd meter, but it doesn't go quite that high, right? I, Nate, you, Nate knows. Uh, I don't really understand Star Trek, but I do like uh, some of the other like sci-fi fantasy type genre stuff. Lord of the Rings, very, very good. Harry Potter, very, very good. Or my favorite, Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is kind of fantastic. It's got all the best stuff. Uh, the original trilogy, thank you. The original trilogy, uh, the prequels, okay. And then the post stuff, very, very good. All of it. I'm, I'm for all the different parts to the canon. And then, of course, uh, a great genre this time of the year is the Christmas movies. Uh, everybody loves a good Christmas movie. Christmas movies like Home Alone. Uh, people really like that. A really, really good classic Christmas movie. Some people really like like Die Hard. Very, very good. Uh, very good. Yes. Yes, uh, one of the best Christmas movies, very underrated. A lot of people don't think of it this way. If those people are lost, we're sad for them. Rocky IV, very, very good. Rocky IV, when, when Rocky literally saves America and brings down uh, communism, so good. Uh, then you got other good ones like a Charlie Brown Christmas or my very favorite Christmas movie of all times. It's a Wonderful Life, uh, just really, really good stuff. And so you might wonder, what kind of story is the Christmas story? What, what kind of story is the birth story? What genre would this fit into? Where, where, would you, where would you line this one up? And as we've been learning, the Christmas story is many things. We've seen that it's a story of hope. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about, about how it's a story of peace. And so we see uh, peace come over Mary in, in, in very, very trying circumstances. We see that it's a story of joy, uh, good news of great joy for all the people. It's definitely that. And, and today we're going to see that it's a story of love. It's a story of love. You see, as I've read and read this story over the last 20 years, I believe that this story is certainly many things, but it is mostly a story of love. This is a love story. Maybe you don't see that, but it, it's a love story. And as confident as I am of that, as confident as I am that this is, in fact, a love story, I bet some people may not be convinced of that. Some people might look at this story and say, I don't really see that as a love story. And I believe that is because this broken world has given us a distorted view of what love really is. I think if we just look at the world's definition of love, maybe the Christmas story doesn't line up in that genre because the world has really given us a broken and distorted view of what love is. The world will try to convince us that love is an emotion or a feeling or an affection or a desire. So when we think of love stories, we think of rom-coms. We think of romantic comedies. We think of the, the movie where the goofy guy through a series of events ends up with the perfect girl after they catch each other's gaze while watching 80s music. Like, it's like playing in the back, we we, we see that and then they, they they live happily ever after. Usually Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock is in those kind of movies. We know what they are, those rom-coms. We think of that as love. Or maybe we are, we are, we are thinking of a love story as a Hallmark movie. Uh, you know the one, the one where the successful big city lawyer moves to the small town to become a cupcake baker and while she's there in her small little town, she runs into a flannel wearing five o'clock shadow having hunk of a man who happens to come into the cupcake store, where they share each other's woes of broken love and talk about how both of them have sworn off of love before and then perchance, luckily, her water breaks and it starts to mess up the cupcake store and it turns out the flannel-wearing man is actually a plumber and he comes to fix it and as they're sitting there eating the cupcakes that have been burnt due to the flood, they realize that they don't give up on love. They, in fact, love each other. They live in small town USA today forever where they enjoy cupcakes because cupcakes do not have calories in Hallmark movies. Oh, it's so lovely. We think that's love. And of course, the Christmas story doesn't look like those kinds of stories. And because those stories are not really love stories, those are happy, feel-good movies. But love is not mostly a feeling. Love is mostly sacrifice. See, the reason that the Bible's version of love looks so different than the world's version of love is that the Bible will tell us that love is not mostly a feeling, it's sacrifice. As a matter of fact, that is our big idea today, and it comes from a a quote from one of my friends, Brian Bowman, who says this, it's our big idea, love is sacrifice, it's nothing less, and it may be nothing more. Church, I want to understand this today as we go out as Christians, as we seek to love people the way that Jesus commanded us in the text that we just read, that when we go out to love people, it is sacrifice, it is nothing less than it may be nothing more. Christian, everything that we know about our world, everything about what we believe, what we know and how we think should sit under the authority of our King Jesus. Every single thing that we think about the world, everything that we believe about the world, everything that we know about the world sits under the authority of our King Jesus and under the Bible that he has left for us. And so our definitions of words and terms and values ought to be derived from King Jesus and his word. And it's because of that that we can reject worldly teachings about all manner of things, including the notion that love is some sort of feeling or something that can be easily depicted in a 90 minute movie. You see, we can turn right to Jesus' word and his teachings on love and see that love is sacrificed. John fifteen nine through thirteen says this As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in love just as I have kept my father's commands and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Recognize this is a command from our king that we would love others as he has loved us. And then he tells us what love looks like. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You see, if you look at Jesus' definition of love, you'll notice an absence of feel-good. There's not much in here about feels, catching feels, feeling things. Jesus literally says that love is like when you lay your life down for your friends, and there is not much about that that often feels good. You'll notice an absence of affection. Jesus doesn't speak of hugs and kisses and warm embraces over cupcakes. He just leaves that out of his narrative when he's talking to us about love. There's an absence of feelings in general, feelings like happiness or awestruckness or even lust. This is different. This is sacrificial love. This is a different kind of love, the kind of love that Jesus had for us, and it is the kind of love that he commands of us. And so using Jesus' definition of love, the Christmas story is certainly a love story. If we could look at, see what Jesus says love is, then when we see this story, when we read this story, whether it's for the first time or whether we've read it a hundred times, we'll see this as a love story. And we'll see today that there are at least three examples of unbelievable sacrificial love in this story. And so let's take a look together today and allow God's word to shape our views of what love is. Church, I want us to know that Joseph demonstrates sacrificial love. We're going to see in the story of Joseph, we just look at this man, we look at this person, this individual, a sinner just like us, nothing special about him. What well, we're going to see, just a regular sinful man just like just like us, and he is able to demonstrate sacrificial love. Luke 2.16 says, and they went, this is the shepherds, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now we've not talked much about Joseph so far. We've looked at this Christmas story for the last couple of weeks and we haven't talked much about joseph so far as a matter of fact joseph doesn't really get much written about him at all especially in comparison to mary but i think joseph being there joseph standing there Joseph being at the manger on the night that jesus is born is a demonstration of sacrificial love at least if you'll back up and look at what happens nine months before that If we just back up and look at what happens nine months before this night, what happens? How does Joseph even come into the story? How does he find out about this? We read about that in Matthew chapter 1. It's going to be up on the screen for you. It says this, verse 18 through 20, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph is planning on marrying Mary, but they are not married yet. This is important. We need to get this. They are betrothed, which is stronger than an engagement, but it is not married. They're not married yet. She is not his wife. They have not said, I do. They have not had sex yet. And she is pregnant And you might imagine some of the things that Joseph must have been feeling and thinking. I promise you that if love was simply a feeling, this is the part in the story where Joseph exits stage right. If love was mostly a feeling, this is where Joseph bails. This is where he says, no way, this doesn't feel good. He may have felt angry, hurt, disappointed. He probably has lots of emotions, and so he decides that he'll divorce her. He decides, you know what, I'm going to divorce her. I care about her. She's a nice girl. I'm going to divorce her privately because I don't want to embarrass her. He doesn't want to hurt her or humiliate her, but he does not want to marry her. So he decides, I'm going to get away from her. Why? Well, most likely because this is not at all part of his plan. This is not what he's envisioned. This is not at all what he's thinking their lives are going to look like. And so he is executing his right to leave. He's saying, I don't want to do this. When I do premarital counseling, I'll always talk to the couple and I'll say, hey, you have up until the wedding day to change your mind. And if you do, during the course of premarital counseling, I'll sleep like a baby. I'll sleep like a baby. It won't bother me at all. I'll hate it for your parents. They probably get, can't get the deposit back, but that's not on me, right? That's not what I do here, right? If I'm doing premarital counseling, I say, you have up until the day of the, of the wedding to say, I've changed my mind. And if you do, I won't lose a wink of sleep. But once you decide to get married, once you say, I do, it is for life. And except for some very particular circumstances, you're going to have to figure out how to love each other. But Joseph still has the right to leave, and that's his plan. That's what he intends to do, and then he gets a visit from the angel. This is what happened. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, To take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The angel said, you don't have to leave her. That's God's baby, and she didn't do anything wrong. You have no reason to fear or have anger. And in the Christmas story, we see that Joseph decides to stay he decides to stay. He doesn't execute his right to leave. He decides to stay. He sacrificially loved her enough to stay and eventually marry her and raise Jesus with her. But I want us all to recognize that in order for this to be sacrificial love, in order for this to truly be sacrificial love, Joseph has to do this willingly without resentment. You see, church, sacrificial love does not resent Sacrificial love doesn't resent. It doesn't keep records of wrongdoings. There's a way to sacrifice for someone and then resent them for it. There's a way to say to a spouse, I'll sacrifice for you, but I'm going to make you pay in other ways for it. There's a way to say to a loved one, I'm going to sacrifice for you, but I don't want to, so I'm going to be miserable about it. And I want us to recognize that that kind of sacrifice is not sacrifice at all. That's something else. That's some other thing that the world has decided looks a little bit like sacrifice, where we think we're sacrificing for somebody, but actually we're harboring ill will and resentment for him. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Sacrificial love does not resent, and as Christians, that's the kind of love we're called to. It's a sacrificial love that allows Joseph to throw his plans aside and embrace a new plan without resentment. It's sacrificial love that says, I'm not going to leave this woman. Rather, I will be standing right next to her when this baby comes and long after without resentment. And if you've believed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you can love like that. I've got to be honest with you. Without Jesus, I don't think you can. At least not for very long. But because of Jesus, you can give away sacrificial love without resentment. We get our second example from Mary. Mary demonstrates sacrificial love. Mary demonstrates sacrificial love so strongly. Luke 2.19 says this, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. We're going to spend more time looking at this verse on Christmas Day, but I'm glad we get to look at it today too. Notice what Mary does here. Mary takes a moment with everything that's going on. In the middle of all that is happening, in the middle of the animals and the birth and the shepherds coming to visit, with all of the angels around coming to them with good news of great joy, she takes a moment and treasures this in her heart. She just stores it up in her heart. She just grabs hold of it and and brings it deep into her heart. In spite of that song, we don't actually know what Mary did know that night and what she didn't know. But we certainly don't know if she knew all the details of what would happen. But if she's anything like every other mother who has ever become a mother, she knew that everything about her life had just changed. If you've ever had a child, either through birth or adoption, or had a child come into your family in any way, shape, or form, you know that everything changes. Kids change everything. The baby has changed everything, and she knows it. She knew that she was a mother now, and that because of that, that baby was going to be so very loved by her. Mothers know much of sacrificial love. I think there's a lot of examples in the church about where do you learn how to do certain things. If you want to see how to, to love a woman for a really long time, you should look yourself at Bob. You look at Bob Shoemaker and you say that's what it looks like to love a woman for a really, really long time. He's been doing it for 60 years, 60 years of sacrificial loving love. That's what it looks like. If you want to see how to be a strong man of God where you would put your family first and, and make sure that you are washing them in prayer and praying for them. You, you There's just so many men in here. You look at, you look at a guy like David. dillman he said that's what it looks like to just love your family and keep pouring scripture over them just keep dumping scripture there's a lot of things like that there's so many men in here you could get much of but if you want to get what it looks like to look at sacrificial love a sacrificial love pick any mother and just look at her mothers know much of sacrificial love we could learn so much from mothers like mary mothers know that they will sacrifice all manner of things for their kids Mothers sacrifice all manners of things for the kids. They'll sacrifice their bodies, their sleep, their sanity at times. They'll sacrifice their time and their prayers and their, and their tears. They'll spend countless hours in prayer for their babies, no matter how old those babies get. If you are blessed enough to still have your mother, I don't care how old you are, she still prays for you. They'll sometimes go from being called mama to mommy to mom to mother to bruh. Moms, crush it. Moms like Mary know of sacrifice, and what they sacrifice the most is their heart. It's amazing to me how much of a heart a mother will give away to her kids. As kids get older, they have a capacity to hurt a mom's heart so much more than almost anybody else in her life. Whether they do so callously or carelessly doesn't really matter. Mother's hearts can be hurt by their kids, so Mary is treasuring this moment in her heart. She's just treasuring it. This is a beautiful moment, and she recognizes it, and she's treasuring it. This is where he's a baby. This is the part of the story where he's a baby, and she's enjoying it. She's treasuring it, and she's right because some of the moments, some of the moments that she's going to share with Jesus are going to be far from happy. Some of the moments that Mary is going to experience with Jesus are going to be so far from happy. John 19, 25 through 27 says this, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clophis, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his throne. Mary was there at the manger, and she was still there at the cross. This is sacrificial love. She's there at the manger, and she's still there at the cross. And no amount of love she pondered in Bethlehem could have possibly prepared her for the heartache that she must have endured at Calgary. Can you imagine a mother's heart standing there as she's watching her baby boy who's been beaten, mocked, and spit upon, nailed to a Roman cross? Mary's heart must have felt like it was bursting into a million pieces. This is sacrificial love. This is what sacrificial love looks like. Mary's love, a mother's love, is not transactional. It's not done based on what will come back. Even if you think back on those first few weeks of a new baby, you know that the baby's not even capable of returning love to the mother. The only thing the baby gives back is stuff you don't want. That baby just keeps giving you stuff you don't want. Stop it. Where's all this coming from? The mother would just give it love and love and love, and the baby just gives crap back over and over and over. Can you say that? I just did it. I don't know. Somebody said it's true, and it is. And then if you imagine those angry teenage moments, it gets even worse. You get these teenagers and sometimes all you want is just a little dirty diaper. You see, sacrificial love is not transactional it's not transactional sacrificial love doesn't look for expect or expect anything else in return sacrificial love can love the baby that cries all night expecting nothing in return sacrificial love can love that teenager that pushes us to our limits expecting nothing in return sacrificial love can love the the spouse that deserves our wrath even when love is not returned equally because sacrificial love is simply not transactional it's not a transaction it's it's not a deal And if you've believed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you can love like that. And yet, without Jesus, I don't think you can love like that at all. And even if you could, it wouldn't be for very long. You see, I think eventually, even if you were trying to live like that, without going to the source of where that kind of love comes from, you would simply run out of it. You would start to resent. You would start to try to cut deals and you wouldn't be happy with it for long. But because of Jesus, you can give love away sacrificially expecting nothing in return. The third thing I want us to see this morning is this. God demonstrates sacrificial love through Jesus. Luke 2, 10 through 12 says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Never forget that it is God who gave the baby who grew up to be the Savior that you and I needed. It's God that gives the baby that grows up to be the Savior that you and I needed. It's God who sent Jesus from heaven to earth to make a way for sinners like you and for me to come back home to him. It's God who sent the baby to Mary. God who sent that baby to the manger. God who sent that Savior that brings the good news of great joys for all the people. It's God that does that, and God did not do that just so that we could celebrate this once a year with extra lights and trees and cookies and presents. He did that to save us. He did that to save us this is sacrificial love john 3 16 through 17 says this for god so loved the world he so loved the world how much did he love the world he so loved the world how much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus' birth is really great cause for celebration, but God does not send his son into the world so that people will have a holiday to celebrate. That's not what he's doing. God has sent his one and only son into the world to save sinners like you and me. That's what he's doing. God loved the world so much that he gave his son, sacrificed his one and only son for us. That's what he's doing here. This is a love story. This entire thing is a love story. It's a God that loved us so much that he would not leave us in this separated sinful state that we were in. And so he sacrificed everything. I've been noticing this week because I have a son at college. I've been noticing people uh, that also have kids at college and they're coming home. The, the kids come home for winter break and they bring their dirty laundry. Right? They show up with dirty laundry and, and empty stomachs and uh, and empty wallets. That's what they do. They come home and we're so happy to see them. They're back at home. We're so glad. They move back into the house with all their stuff and we're so happy. And I was thinking about this this week. I love a lot of you in here. I love a lot of you and I love most of you. I, I, I like everybody. I love most of you. I wouldn't give my son up for any of you I just wouldn't do it I wouldn't I can say that confidently because Penny's over in kids ministry this morning there's nobody in this room that I'd give, I'd give him up for her I like her better but I'm just saying I do uh, but I'll say this I wouldn't give him up for any of you I can confidently say that but God loved us so much that he gave up his one and only son for us for sinners like us this love story sure includes a baby and a manger, but it leads to a cross where the baby has grown into a man who will bear the weight of all the sins of the world. Jesus doesn't stay a baby. He doesn't stay a baby in a manger. He grows up to be a man, and he eventually finds himself on a cross, and on that cross, he bears the weight of all of our sins. Think about that for a second. Every sin that has ever been committed, every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that I've ever committed, every sin in all of eternity is just heaped on Jesus all at the same time, and he has to bear the weight of all of that and then for the first time in eternity he is separated from his father that's what Jesus did and God sent him here for that that's sacrificial love this love leads to a tomb where the body will lay for three days not asleep not unconscious but dead Jesus said that love is when you would lie down your life for your friends, when you would just willingly lay it down for your friends, and that's exactly what Jesus did because God loved us so much that he couldn't do anything else, so he sent Jesus to get that done. That's how loved you are. See, sacrificial love looks like laying it all down because you choose to love someone too much to do anything else. I want us to recognize that God chose to love us that much. Y'all realize we didn't earn that. We don't deserve it. We're like that baby that gives nothing back but crap. That's us. I said it again. Can you say crap in church? That's three times. That's us. That's what we give back like little babies just puking all over God all the time. Here we are with our spit up. Sorry about that, God. And yet he chooses to love us. Sacrificial love looks like that. It looks like loving so much more than your preferences. It looks like loving somebody so much more than your comforts. It looks like loving somebody so much more that you simply just can't do anything else but try in your limited ability to express love for them. With Jesus, you can love that much, and without him, I'm not sure that you can. See, church, love is sacrifice. It's nothing less, and it's probably nothing more. Joseph demonstrated sacrificial love, laying down his preferences and seeking nothing in return. Mary demonstrated sacrificial love, giving her whole heart, even though it would eventually lead to great pain, getting nothing in return. God demonstrated sacrificial love, giving His one and only Son so that anyone who would believe in Him could spend eternity with Him. And if you've experienced that love, you can give it away too. If you've experienced that love, if you've experienced the love that God sent down here through this love story, if you've, if you've tasted that, if you've taken that in, if you've felt that, if you've believed in it, if you've known that love, you can just love people like that. You can just give it away knowing that you have an endless supply of it in God you can just be like, hey, I'm just going to love people. I'm just going to love people because when I feel unloved, I'm going to just go straight to the source where love comes from. I'm going to go right to my father and he's going to pour more love on me and I can just give more of it away. Of course, you can't give away what you don't have. You just can't give away what you don't have. This is a universal truth in life. You can't give away money if you don't have money. You can't give away time if you don't have time. You can't give away food if you don't have food and you most certainly cannot give away love if you don't have love and so if you're here today and you've never experienced the love of God if you've never believed in the love of Jesus if you've never been part of the love story that God has written since the beginning of time that has continued through today I want to I want to just tell you something that I want you to believe today I want to just share with you something that I want you to believe today I want to share with you the gospel Here it is, God made the world and it was beautiful and it was perfect and it worked exactly like it was supposed to. But then man sinned and when we sinned, we broke it. You know what sin is? It's when we do what God doesn't want us to do. It's when we do the things that we know we're not supposed to do. And the worst part of that sin is that it leads to a separation between us and God. God is so good and he's so perfect that he just can't be around sin. And when we sin, it leads to this separated state. God loved us so much that he wouldn't leave us in that state, and so he sent Jesus down here. Yes, he came as a baby, but he came on a rescue mission to save people, to literally live the perfect life that you and I could never live, to literally die the horrific death that you and I deserve, and to defeat that death so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. And if you've never believed that, I want you to believe that today. Church, I want you to know this. If I had any power to make you believe, I would do it. If I had any power in me to make you believe, I would just make you believe. But I can't. All I can do is tell you. But here's the good news. If you can believe that, if you can believe the gospel that I just shared with you, you can know that God has already changed your heart because you just wouldn't be able to believe that story any other way. But if you can believe that, then you can know that God has changed your heart. And so if you can believe today and you've never repented, I invite you to repent and believe, to say, God, I am a sinner, to pray just like this, God, I am a sinner and I'm sorry. God, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. I've chosen my way and not your way. I've, I've done the things that you have asked me not to do. I've done things that I know are wrong. God, God, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his life, death, and resurrection. I need you to save me because I cannot save myself. The Bible says that if we can believe that in our heart and confess that with our mouth, then we will be saved. So my question for you this morning is this, church, can you believe? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for examples of sacrificial love. The greatest example being the love of that you poured out for us when you sent Jesus down here. And God, if there's anybody in this room today or listening in online or listening to a podcast weeks or months after this sermon has been shared that has not yet believed, God, I ask you to do what only you can do. I ask you to save them. God, I ask you to give them the faith to believe. God, I ask you to save my friends. And God, for those of us that have experienced your love, for those of us that have experienced your great love, for the Christians in the room, God, I ask you to compel us to follow your command to love others. Lord, help us not get so wrapped up in battles and differences of opinions and so many other things. Help us to love people to you. Help us to demonstrate your kind of love, a sacrificial love, a love that puts preferences down to make much of you. God, we're sorry for the times that we don't do that. God, I'm sorry for the times I don't do that. Help us to love more like you. It's in your name that we pray, amen.